Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. From the right, we have... DJ McGuire, an inebriated but not blackout drunk conservative from Suffolk, Virginia. (laughs) Well, that's debatable. We'll get to that. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers. (laughs) We'll see if this is a surprise when you listen tomorrow. (laughs) Fair enough. And from the left, we have Greg Matuzak, a common sense liberal who the only thing I have in common with Brett Kavanaugh is I like beer (laughs) from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Rebecca Kushmeider, and like Amy Klobuchar, I don't care to talk about my drinking habits in this venue. And I'm a progressive feminist from Kensington, Maryland. And I'm Kevin Kelton, a ranting moderate from Los Angeles, California. I usually call myself a passionate moderate, but I found out this week that passionate and ranting are synonymous. So I guess I'm a ranting moderate. (laughs) Yeah, it's been that kind of week. They can be very similar. Yes. You know, got to admit. Yes, emotional too. We want to remind everybody to check out our website, moreperfectunionpodcast.com, where you can find news and commentary that we write during the week, plus bios of your hosts. Uh, Rebecca, you're working on a piece now that should be up at the time this podcast airs. What's that going to be about? One of my resolutions this year was to read books by more diverse authors, but I don't always want to read important literature. Sometimes I just want to read mystery novels and try to find mystery novels written by uh, women of color. That's apparently a bit of a heavy lift, and the publishing industry needs to uh, get off the stick, make be better, be best even. Okay, so this was a week dominated by all things Brett Kavanaugh. And, boy, that was my New York accent. Did you guys hear that? I did. I did. did. No, that was good. And Professor Christine Blase Ford and their testimony on Capitol Hill. So we wanted to start on a lighter note, which was Matt Damon's take on Judge Kavanaugh. Did everybody see it? It was awesome. Yeah, that was so funny. (laughs) I needed that today. Although I have to say, like, yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt Damon, but Kate McKinnon, guys. Kate McKinnon. Yes, Kate McKinnon is a gift uh, to all all people Honestly, who speak English. She was so funny. Every time she comes out there, she's so. Do you remember when she did Jeff Sessions right after he was confirmed? Yes. Oh my god. And here's an interesting thing. I've thought for a while. Well, I read this someplace that it it bothered Trump when he saw somebody, and I forget who was the first person that she did that she played a male character in the Trump administration. And word was that it bothered Trump greatly because he doesn't like his people to look weak or to look effeminate or anything like that. 
I think that's why they had her play Jeff Sessions and Rudy Giuliani. And I think the same thing applied this week. For those who haven't seen it, Kate McKinnon played Lindsey Graham during his, you know, blow up uh, during the testimony. And I'm pretty sure that they did that not only because she'd be funny at it, but because it's a little dig at Lindsey Graham in case Trump was thinking of maybe nominating him post-sessions for the attorney general. Okay, excuse me. I Maybe I'm drinking my wine way too fast, but did you just compare Lindsey Graham to a blow up doll or did I mishear that? (laughs) I think you misheard that. I did. I misheard that. Understood. Yes. Okay. But but Matt Damon, I think, was the real star. I mean, he did everything from the the sniffs and and the anger huffs to the to the random crying. I mean, and it just showed well, and, and puckering his mouth to the point that it looked like a cat's anus. Oh yeah, I mean everything. It just showed how ridiculous. Like once again, as, as I keep saying, worst job interview ever. And honestly, 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 and and it just showed how ridiculous. Yeah, so on. Yeah, it's unbelievable that these people overlooked so many things that the casual viewer said that should be disqualifying right there, even if he's telling the truth about what happened in 1981. Um, and we'll go through a lot of that stuff. And 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 to be fair here, we 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 have to. I mean, one thing we have to acknowledge is that the. The four of us all share one characteristic is that in that we all share two characteristics. One, I believe, I think we all believe Dr. Ford. And two, even if we did not believe Dr. Ford, we all have reasons why we would object to Judge Kavanaugh being on the Supreme Court. What I've discovered, and I'm sorry if I'm going to, if I'm going to go deep on you way too soon, but well, I'm too drunk to care. A lot of what we're hearing out of Kavanaugh defenders is really just a standard old slippery slope argument. And like every other slippery slope slope argument, it runs afoul of the facts. What they're essentially saying is that what they are frightened of is that somebody coming around saying that somebody did something in 1982, and whether it's true or not, whether there's evidence or not, anything like that, a whisper campaign from the early 1980s can sink somebody. The problem is this is a lot more than a whisper campaign. You know, the closest thing we have to evidence is Brett Kavanaugh's calendar, and it actually – Brett Kavanaugh's calendar does more to back up Dr. Ford's story than his own, frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, could I just jump in? And, and DJ, to me, you're a, a relatively young man, and you've got a future ahead of you that could take you to many places. I really suggest you start scrubbing the MPU podcast for these drinking references right now. <laughs> They are worse than the calendar. They are in audio. Yeah, seriously. You could end up before the Senate Judiciary Committee. They're going to be like, yeah, Mr. McGuire. And I will tell them the same thing I will. I am telling you now. Did you not hear the last podcast we did when I was sober? It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, setting aside, you know, the slippery slope argument and this idea that you know, everybody's past misdeeds will come back to haunt them. One, there are two things that were revealed this week about Dr. Kavanaugh, Dr. Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, that should be disqualifying for this position. The first one is he hates Democrats a lot. Like he, he is openly disdainful of an entire political party. And that, it, you know, that's part of his history. He was, he was a, a partisan operative um, during the Clinton years. How on earth? And the Bush years. And and the Bush Bush years. years. How on earth can we trust him to rule fairly when he is openly hostile to 
an entire group of people. I don't like. I I would not want to stand before him if he were to find out my political affiliation. I think he'd try and screw me. Perhaps literally and figuratively. Sorry. Ooh. Whoa. Oh, that went dark there, dude. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> the other thing is, with all these discussions of his partying habits in high school and college, like you know, a lot a lot of people partied, and a lot of people, you know, they write emotional memoirs. They're like, man, those years I acted like a jackass. I'm embarrassed about it now. I'm sorry to anyone I hurt. Kavanaugh is really trying to deny his behaviors from those years, which says to me he would do a lot to cover up past misdeeds, which should say to anyone who wants to blackmail Kavanaugh, he's ripe for the picking. He couldn't pass a background security check. He could not get a clearance with the way he is unwilling to admit to things in his past. He's he is actually at risk for being extorted. And I don't think that's a vulnerability we need on the highest court in the land. You know what really made me despondent after Thursday? So many things made me despondent. But I thought Trump was a one-off. I thought someone like Trump, who has a bad character, in my opinion, and also lies indiscriminately and almost uh, for sport, I thought, okay, one guy somehow got elected, even though it was, you know, (laughs) he did not win the popular vote. He somehow technically rose to a high office in the United States. But now I see this metastasizing to the Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh is the judicial version of Donald Trump. He has very little moral character, uh, maybe more so than Donald Trump does, but I think that his high school and college years suggest that he is not the upstanding individual that he would like us to believe he is. And he lies indiscriminately. Let me give one example. When we watched the testimony on Thursday— I was struck when I believe it was Amy Klobuchar, but it might have been a different senator, asked him, did you watch Dr. Ford's testimony? And he said, no, I was busy working on my statement. The next day in the press, it's reported that he did watch it because a Senate aide who was sitting right next to him at the time said he did. So he even lied about that little fact. The man should not be on the Supreme Court, regardless of whether the accusations are true or not. Even the calendar thing was weird. I don't know if you guys, I actually listened and he was talking about his calendars and he started crying when he talked about his father's calendars. Like my father's calendars, we would sit at the end of the year and we would go over my father's calendars and he would regale us with the stories of his calendars. That was weird. No wonder he drank so much. Oh my gosh. It was weird. (laughs) That's what he had to look forward to on New Year's Eve. I know. The, the next Hallmark Christmas movie, The Kavanaugh Calendars. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the lies. The lies. And, of course, we went through, through, the, through the yearbook, okay, which some people thought was unfair. How can we make things? But it put him in a state of mind of when he was there, okay? And this was, this was awkward because my kids were actually in the room. When it happened and they were talking about boffing and the devil's triangle and things like that. And at this, this is kind of a funny story is that at one point they were talking about something or another. And he was like, well, that was when I was throwing up because I put spaghetti, I put ketchup on my spaghetti and I was throwing up and it was an obvious sex reference. 
And uh, yeah. th- this morning, my my uh, my daughter said, um, "Are you doing your podcast today?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Tell him I don't want Kavanaugh. I don't. I don't really want it because who puts spaghetti? Who puts ketchup on spaghetti? That's sh- <laughs> that's that's no one who should be on the Supreme Court." I said, uh, "I'm glad that's the only thing you got out of that whole you know devil's yeah. triangle thing, but uh, I'm glad you got that." My son, my son caught a clip on the news, and he's like, "Mom, what is this?" And I, you know, I explained in very broad terms. My son is young. Um, what was going on. And, you know, he heard about the allegations that Dr. Ford was saying, and he looks at me in all seriousness. He goes, well, that guy's in jail now, right? He's been arrested, right? I'm like, oh, sweetie. It's like the opposite of that, actually. Uh, Listen, I want to respond to uh, this idea that uh, he had every right to show the righteous indignation that he did. And I've heard this argument made by all of the senators. We just don't have the right to like it. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) I have a point here. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, obviously, anyone who's going to be, uh, you know, accused of something that they believe they didn't do, especially something this heinous, might get angry and might show it. But let's remember something. He was accused a week before the testimony. He went on Fox News having been accused of the same conduct and was rational and calm and deliberate. It's only two or three days later that he flew into a fit of rage. So this idea that he was, oh, well, I can understand that. No, I can't understand it because it wasn't a momentary reaction. He actually reacted to it in public calmly. And then he went off, and I'm convinced of this, either Trump himself or Don McGahn or one of the people that works for Don McGahn said to him, go nuts, yell at these people, be difficult. Because yeah. that shows strength. That'll that'll put them on their heels. This wasn't what you know. When he said, "I wrote this myself," I got to say, I believe he wrote it himself. But he had a lot of input from the White House to put that together. He didn't come up with that Clinton thing on his own. They gave that to him. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that that tells us two things. One, Hillary Clinton actually did make it to the White House. She lives in the head of the rent-free in the head of the president and all of his aides. <laughs> secondly, um, secondly, and more importantly, it shows that Kavanaugh's primal scream had an audience of one, and that one was the president of the United States. He understood that so long as the president stuck up for him, that would put keep most, if not all, of the Republicans in line. Uh, the fact of the matter is, I remember Clarence Thomas' testimony in 1991 when Anita Hill came forward. Clarence Thomas' testimony was very different. It was different in two ways. One, the actual verbiage was far worse than anything Kavanaugh said. Thomas called it a high-tech lynching. He basically took a deck of race cards and threw it at the all-white Judiciary Committee. But he never raised his voice. He was calm. He was deliberate. His rage, like revenge, was best served cold. Brett Kavanaugh chose to ignore that because Donald Trump doesn't understand that, and too many of Donald Trump's supporters don't understand that. And this is something that matters maybe more to me than to all of you, because while I while I call myself a progressive conservative these days, conservative is still the noun. I define myself as a conservative. I'm watching my fellow conservatives basically abandon intellectual thought, abandon intellectual curiosity in favor of rage and anger and fury. And what happened Thursday was the confirmation that a political movement to which I have dedicated nearly a quarter century of my life 
and to which I still think needs to be rescued for the sake of America, has gone completely off the cliff like a bunch of lemmings. And it was absolutely painful. And in that respect, it was maybe it was more painful for me, maybe the even for Kevin or Greg, not so much for Rebecca, because because as a woman, Rebecca had different pains that yes, the yes. rest of us cannot share. Well, I get that. I mean, well, what, what what you guys were saying about the you know the comparison and demeanor between Justice Cav or Judge Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas, the difference in demeanor between Judge Kavanaugh and Dr. Blasey Ford. White men are allowed to be angry whenever they feel like it. The rest of us have to pick and choose. But, you know, white men can go before a Senate committee and yell and scream and cry and thump the desk. And all that will happen is Lindsey Graham will give them a high five. If, if, if Dr. Ford had started screaming and crying, man, she would have been discredited so fast, even faster than she was by the, you know, the Fox News contingent. There, there would have been the, Donald Trump would have had nasty woman tweets out within five minutes if she had ever raised her voice. Yeah. Hey, let, let me let me be that guy for a second, um, because you know why not? Um, so this is to Kevin. You know, sure, I can do that. I, I'm supposedly the common sense guy. <laughs> yes. Ohio State. Ohio State won yesterday, so Greg is yeah, pissed. I, I, I get. I get to. Uh, I get to have some sense of over Kevin. You've you've taken the side of Al Franken more times than I care to admit. Okay, and so all more times this, than he cares to admit. Either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, At it's this almost point, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Not true. Al Franken, you've taken the side of yes, right? Yes. But all of a sudden, a different white man. Oh, you know, why not? We're all part of the same club. We've right. got that secret handshake, and I wish you wouldn't tell Rebecca about it. <laughs> okay, I'm all not listening. Sudden, Don't worry, Greg. Yeah, it's okay. He man, uh, woman haters you know, club. Right, it's the she man, the she, she he man woman haters club. All this- I like the she man woman haters club better. I think that sounds like a more fun like that's like a, that's a more fun like club. Yeah, Shh, don't yeah. tell don't tell anyone. All of a sudden, you're not taking this guy's side, but Al Franken, who's a Democrat, you're all about. Uh, what's that about, Kevin? Uh, okay, fair question, fair question. And uh, and and before I answer that, I'll throw into it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Louis C.K. doing his come back on a stage in New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, people perceived me as taking his side against the females who he clearly, uh, you know, harassed. Oh, yeah. So let me answer that because that's a very fair question. I'm glad you asked it. The difference sure. is I never said Al Franken didn't do the things that he was accused of doing. I said I think whatever interactions he had with those women were mistaken, that they misunderstood each other. That the kiss in, during the the rehearsal with the woman on the USO tour was probably not a come on. It was probably just supposed to be a funny kiss that she misinterpreted. That the the things about grabbing women, I said, hey, you know, you're taking photos, your hand goes to the wrong place, and all of a sudden they think you're feeling them up. The woman who came into the radio studio when he was on Air America, and they had some exchange, and she said that Al Franken had said to her, you have to kiss me, it's my right as a comedian. I know that if those words came out of his mouth, Al Franken's mouth, that was a joke, okay? But I never said it didn't happen. The same thing with Louis C.K. I defended his right to come back nine months later and do a short set in a small club in New York City. I never said that the things he did to women were appropriate or that they didn't happen. The difference is here... We all, listen, I came into this believing that Dr. Ford was probably telling the truth, but I certainly came out of Thursday 
knowing in my bones that she's telling the truth and he's lying. That's my take on it. Other people may have a different reaction. But that's why I can justify being on the side that I'm on today and how it uh, it does not contradict my previous statements. Okay. The thing is, though, and this is, and again, it's because I've been in, I've I've gone from one party to the other over the course of the last three years. One thing that I have noticed is that people tend to be, people frankly tend to be more forgiving about a politician with whom they are politically aligned. And the irony is that perhaps had Judge Kavanaugh been more apologetic, had he something, had he said something like, look, I don't remember this, but it's quite possible that I was blackout drunk and dear God, I drank to excess and it was horrible. And it was the early 1980s and fast times at Ridgemont High and we were all completely nuts and I'm horribly, terribly sorry. Strangely enough, that might have helped him actually more because people, I mean, this, this is America. Yes. Everybody loves second chances in America. It's not even second chances because, you know, people, the argument that people keep making that so much time has passed and he's grown, he's changed, but he hasn't demonstrated that he's grown or changed. Admitting to the, to the drunken behaviors, admitting that he may have done harm, admitting that this may be in his past and he doesn't remember it the same way she does, but he feels bad about it, that would show the personal growth everyone else is assuming in him. I don't see that personal growth. I see a spoiled kid who thinks he deserves good stuff. So one of the issues that the right has is that this was such an 11th hour. In fact, it was an 11th hour and 59 minute accusation it is so politically timed i mean he was doing the icky shuffle in the end zone (laughs) (laughs) but the point is it's the 11th hour this is so political does that fact it is it's a fact trump no it doesn't and i'll tell you why because because it you know you can say well why didn't it come forward sooner first of all diane feinstein explained that a dozen times she was protecting this woman's privacy. And you can't go to people and say, I have an, an anonymous source telling me that he may have tried to rape her 36 years ago. What should we do about this when you don't have the source's name? And here's the other thing. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little carried away. I, I was pulling a Kavanaugh there. <laughs> <laughs> do you like beer, Kavanaugh? Do you, do you like really, beer? really like beer? I don't. <laughs> do you? Do you like beer? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the other thing. If Dianne Feinstein in her one-on-one meeting with Kavanaugh or in one of their private sessions had asked him about this, what if he remembered Christine Blase's name and brought it up? That's why she couldn't do it because she was sworn to secrecy about Christine Blase Ford's identity. So if she had said to him, do you remember a party in 1981 where you tried to, you know, you jumped on top of a 15-year-old girl and tried to kiss her and make out with her? And he said, oh, are you talking about Chrissy Ford or Chrissy Blase? Oh, that girl's crazy. You know, she was mad at me because I broke up with her. Well, then she has outed the woman. So that's why it didn't come up. But here's the other thing I wanted to say, Greg, to a very valid question. Sure. Even if it comes up at the last minute, even if the Democrats had political motive behind bringing which, by the way, it's been proven that that's nonsense, but it doesn't make a difference to the pertinent question of, did it happen and should he be on the Supreme Court? You know, for the last week, everyone's been talking about what's fair to, 
to Brett Kavanaugh, what's fair to Christine Ford, what's fair to Lindsey Graham, what's fair to, to Donald Trump. You know what everyone has missed? The key component of this whole thing, the most important aspect of this whole affair is the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court's reputation. And it's bad enough that we have one person on the Supreme Court who lives under somewhat of a cloud. Imagine having two justices on the Supreme Court who might be living under a cloud of suspicion. This man being on, being elevated to the Supreme Court could be the worst thing for that institution and one of the few institutions left where we, people have some you know, sense of, um, of integrity and some sense that they're above the fray. To put this man on the court, even if there's a chance that he's telling the truth, is, is unfair to the institution of the Supreme Court, and that's why it's relevant. First of all, the, the reporter who – excuse me, the institution that actually reported the letter first, which was The Intercept, has said that neither Senator Feinstein nor anyone on her staff – was responsible for leaking of the letter. For all we know, it was somebody in the Trump administration who leaked the letter. So let, let, let's put aside the notion of who leaked that story. That, that's a distraction. That's a deflection. That, that's not relevant right now. What is relevant is, one, do you believe Dr. Ford? I do. Two, given everything we have, should Brett Kavanaugh be on the court? Kevin doesn't think so. Neither do I. I don't think any of us think he should be on the court. There are people who disagree. But that really should be the discussion for everything. The The point here is, now that we have this information in front of us, the question we all should ask is, do we want this person on the court? And I would say to the to my fellow conservatives who are watching, who I am sure have different views on, Justice, on Judge Kavanaugh than I do, and that's fine. You will be in control of the Senate until January 3rd, 2019, no matter what happens in November. You have the opportunity to put someone like Kethledge or, 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 or Amy Cart Brown, whose name I probably, I probably brutalized. Barrett. I can't remember it. Barrett. Barrett. Thank you. The point of the matter is you can, you can find a conservative jurist who does not have this kind of crazy baggage who can get on the court. Democrats didn't do this to Gorsuch because, hey, they could There's no baggage. Because it wasn't there. There was no baggage. He was just a guy who right. was a pretty good judge. They didn't do it to Roberts, you know, all those years. Uh, that, that's what's so bizarre about this. It's like, every, this is not college football. The overtime rules aren't such that if they lose Kavanaugh, we get the ball. Like, if they lose Kavanaugh, they put up the next person on the list. I don't know why they think that Kavanaugh is somehow the only conservative judge in America. It's just not, that's just not true. Okay, so let me make this point because Rebecca's hit on something that's that's very true. The Republican theory of the case is that the Democrats just want to somehow either get Kavanaugh to fail to be confirmed or pulled so that the Trump administration has to go back, vet a new candidate, appoint a new candidate, and then go through the whole confirmation process, which could not happen before the election, the, the fear being... If the Democrats somehow get 51 or 52 seats in the Senate, they could stop a Trump nominee from being confirmed. That is absurd. There is no way that the Democratic Party could go for two years or two plus years without confirming a nominated Supreme Court justice, even if they had 51 or 52 votes. Technically, could they do it? 
I suppose so. Politically, no way. So this fear that um, they're going to lose that seat to a liberal if they don't jam Kavanaugh through is ridiculous, and Mitch McConnell should know better. And then on a lighter note, I just found it really interesting that uh, the GOP thought that a really strong argument was that the third woman, Julie Swetnick, that her claims should be discounted because she is represented by Stormy Daniels' lawyer, which is the height of hypocrisy when you realize that the guy who nominated Kavanaugh was Stormy Daniels' fuck buddy. (laughs) How is that better than being her lawyer? Are we going to talk about have to talk about what she said about his anatomy no, now? No, 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 no. no. I, I, I just forgot it. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> we, we, we can skip that. Before we go any further, I want to turn to our latest sponsor, Blinkist. Yay. Which uh, is a, a great company. It's it's an app that you can get on your phone. I don't know whether you guys know this, but apparently 88% of financially successful people read at least 30 minutes per day. Now, Rebecca, you read a lot more than that, so you must be a multi-billionaire. Oh, yeah, I'm still <laughs> <laughs> Me and J.K. Rowling, we're, we're, we're just rolling it. Right, but people who read, you know, they're hungry for knowledge. They continuously seek self-improvement and learning every day, every chance they get. And a, an app like Blinkist can help you get there faster than you can imagine. Now... You know, if you're like me, look, the the list of books that I want to read or those that people suggest I should read, and and Rebecca makes suggestions every week, that list is never-ending. It's always expanding. And I simply don't have time to read them all. And I I suspect that the people listening to this podcast probably feel the same way about themselves. But we've got a new sponsor, Blinkist, and they've solved your long list of must-read problems once and for all. Indeed, they have. They're the only app that can take thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and distill them down to their most impactful elements so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. With Blinkist, you can expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can in almost any other way. And plus, you can listen anywhere. It's it's essentially nonfiction cliff notes. Do I <laughs> need true. to really say any more? <laughs> and someone reads the cliff notes to you. Yeah. You know... I want to read more. You want to read more, and and you know you should. But I never have the time. I've got I've got podcasting to do. I've got obviously sports ball to watch. Um, beer drinking, you know, beer drinking, <laughs> beer so much beer drinking, beer shaving. So you know, let Blinkist do the dirty work of you know turning all those pages and you know shuffling all those you know iPad pages. <laughs> and what's even better is it does all those comprehending of those long sentences, and I <laughs> I reap the benefits. I, and to be honest, I do it while driving to work. I would like to say I do it while I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> But let's not lie. <laughs> but I do also do it in the morning during my first, second, and third cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, the library is huge. You know, you can you could choose from timeless classics like uh, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School, which you know I don't know what they teach at Harvard <laughs> Business School or what they don't teach. So that book's covering a lot of ground for me. Um, and you know, and they've got the current bestsellers. Uh, Fear is on there from Bob Woodward. So if you just need the highlights of uh, what's going on in the White House, Blinkist is the way to find out. That's right. And my personal favorite to check out is uh, a book called, um, and this is the actual title, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, colon, The Life and Times of Brett Kavanaugh. And... <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not the colon. It's it's the the subtle art of not giving a fuck, a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. Now, here's something. 
I bought this book in a in a, an airport bookstore almost a year ago, and it's been sitting on my bookshelf untouched and collecting dust for a year. I can find out what the book contains like in five or ten minutes on Blinkist. They're constantly adding new titles, by the way, uh, and adding to the list from bestsellers. So you're always going to get the most powerful ideas in a made-for-mobile format. Five million people are using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time, so you should get started today. So here's what we want you to do. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the More Perfect Union audience. We want you to go to Blinkist.com slash union to start your seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist. It's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash union to start your free seven-day trial. And you can cancel at any time. Blinkist.com slash union. Go read some books. (laughs) Go get some smarts. Or you'll end up like the President of the United States embarrassing himself at the United Nations and at a later press conference on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) The More Perfect Union podcast. Real debate without the hate. Now heard on iTunes and Stitcher. It's dope. Yes, the Trump press conference from Thursday. So, so... Yeah, now we know why he does not do more of these. I mean, in, in a nutshell. I mean, that was. I mean, we thought we thought the um, the Kavanaugh thing was a shit show. This was just keeps bringing up the level of shit show. He's terrible at these, right? Or am I wrong? Was it me? I think it depends on on your level of tolerance for bat shittery. Yeah, I mean. Every 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 couple words, he was like, "Oh, that was not. Oh, why did he say that? Did he really just call the like George Washington had a bad past? What was he? <laughs> what was he saying about the Kurd, the Kurd reporter? That was awkward. He he called he called the reporter Mister Kurd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. He actually did that. Yeah, that was. Oh my god, that was embarrassing. He said something about bringing back ten trillion. Ten trillion of what? I have no fucking clue. And then he insisted that when he was at the United Nations and and the members of the General Assembly laughed at him, he insisted they were laughing with him. And that was probably the most bizarrely pathetic point of the whole press conference: is that they weren't laughing at me; they were laughing with me. I mean, that was just utter. That was utterly insane. <laughs> and and he kept bringing up the fact that. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is just one of the highest quality people, and I get accused of sexual uh, m- misconduct like all the time. Like this happens to like all men. Kevin, I know you know. I mean, okay. For the record, I've never been uh, you know, and and touch wood, you know. But I've ne- this has never happened to me, and you know, like oh, and he goes, this happens to people all the time, so this isn't a big deal. No. It is a serious. Allegations of sexual misconduct are serious, and they should be taken seriously. And he's like, ah, what are you going to do? I have a suggestion. Uh, you know, the, uh, he started – I'm not going to be talking about his actual address to the UN, not the press conference after it. Um, okay. He started it with a line about how his administration, who's the greatest, you know, had more accomplishments than any other administration in history. And there was, right. you know, a wave of laughter that built for like – 30 seconds. And the next day, Trump claimed that they were laughing with him, not at him. So here's my suggestion. 
I'd like the FBI to do an investigation. Uh, I'd like them to interview the 180 members of the United Nations and ask them, were you laughing with him or at him? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going I'm going to be that guy again. Okay? I honestly believe that that was a joke that he planted. No. I honestly oh, believe. No. You know, we, oh, okay, no. wait. No. Wait. That hey, was hey, no hey, joke. hey. Hey, we all have our own opinions. Okay. okay? So, so, hey, hey, step off. <laughs> okay. So and just 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 listen close. Okay. And if you listen to him. Okay? And if you listen how that that went, okay? He does this thing, he he does his thing, he does it. We are the greatest planet. We are the overlords, you know, blah blah. He sounds like Tom Cruise or whatever, right? And then all of a sudden he pauses. He he does his eyebrow thing and there's laughter. And then he 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 hits a beat and he goes, "Well, that didn't go how I thought it would go." Right. And he hits that and just right on a beat. It was really well done. And it wasn't like it was a classic TV Trump, like someone wrote it for him. Right. Like he knew that would get a laugh. Okay. Dude. Okay. okay. And like Kevin knows how that okay. goes. I, ha- Greg, Greg, I would have to down an entire, I would have to down two full bottles of wine to actually consider that credible he boasts all the time he lies all the time and he he does the worst thing that any politician can do he believes his own bullshit that was not a joke that was not something he threw out there getting for laughs that was something he honestly thought he could get away with come on now I disagree. I think he was reading his room. I think he knew his audience. And you know what? There are times I think he knows his audience. When he goes out to those rallies, he knows what he can get away with. And he boasts and he says the bullshit. And he knows he's going to get applause. When he goes into that thing, you know, you're right. I think he believes his own bullshit. But he also knows his audience. You know what? I do think he's dumb as a rock. But he also knows a room. Okay. Um, last so week, Kevin- last week I asked the question, "When did DJ become Noam Chomsky?" So this week I have to ask the question, <laughs> "When did Greg become Tucker Carlson?" <laughs> I'm not Tucker Carlson, although I do wear a lot of bow ties. Boy, boy, when 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 a guy puts common sense in front of his name, you guys all become really shitty. <laughs> Ohio, Ohio State, State wins State one won. game, and you guys are all like <laughs> <laughs> jelly much. That's all I'll say. Okay, so what happened to Rod Rosenstein in the middle of the week? He was hot news, and by Friday, he was overseeing the FBI investigation into Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Right? No, he's uh, he like he totally got got stood up by his date. He was supposed to go to the White House. Talk about that whole, you know, as soon as Trump was getting home from the UN, he was going to hang out with Rosenstein. They were going to braid each other's hair, maybe fire each other. And uh, then Trump was like, oh, like, I, I'll meet with him later. You know, like, what, what was that? I think Trump showed up and, and he was like, uh, Rosenstein, Rosenstein showed up with, uh, like, flowers and a corsage. And he's like, I can't quit you. And uh, <laughs> That's going to happen this week. That's this week's meeting. Oh yeah, yeah. But but and, but and I think that was it. That when they finally decided, when they finally had the Senate contact the White House and say, uh, "We're requesting, we're officially requesting," and the FBI to reopen the investigation, to reopen the background check, and then the White House has to go to the Justice Department 
and asked them to do it. Did you guys hear that it fell to Rod Rosenstein to do that? Yeah. Well, of course it did. So he's, he's <laughs> now overseeing two investigations. <laughs> my, my, my favorite line, my favorite line from the, uh, well, one of my favorite, there was pack, was after the, um, after Jeff Flake, and we never actually really talked about Jeff Flake's role and whether he, you know. Oh, yeah, we can come just, back to that. We can come back. But after the whole thing and everyone's confused and like, oh, what what just happened? Um, Lindsey Graham afterwards was like, well, you know, we actually have to go to the president and ask him. And, and he goes, but I guess it's my job yeah. first to go explain to him right. how this all works. Right. Um, oh, God. He goes, someone has to explain to the president how this all works. So I guess you know, I have I, to go I, do I, that I, right now. Um. <laughs> Did you notice how affable he was after the meeting? He was screaming in the meeting at the Democrats. And then sure. when it finally was, you know, when Flake pretty much said, look, you don't have my vote unless we do this. And then Lisa Murkowski and Joe Manchin quickly chimed in on Twitter or however they do it. Did you yeah. notice that he was out in the hallway laughing with the reporters and, ah, oh, this is going to be fine. No yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's an affable guy. Yeah, I told you. you know, I, I want to have just, dinner with him one day. I think he'd be, of all the Republican senators, he's the one that I would like to have dinner the most with. Yeah, well, I'd take that word affable and replace the two Fs <laughs> with two Ss, but that's just me. <laughs> There's a visual I didn't really need. So, um, <laughs> so what do we, before we go on with the rest of the week in the news, do we want to touch on, on Jeff Flake and where we think things are going from now? You know what? I think it's a fig leaf. I think that I think that everybody knows that an FBI investigation is going to be inconclusive. There's no evidence. It was 30 years ago. There's no chance that the FBI, FBI is going to be able to come back and say, yes, he did this thing to these people. And that's going to give the Republicans all the cover they need to vote. Per- for, particularly for when Mark Fudge, excuse me, Mark Judge's statement comes out and it's all vagary nonsense <laughs> that doesn't actually finger Kavanaugh. See, I think I think Mark Judge's statement. So Mark Judge never actually signed his original statement. But he did sign one Thursday night. Right. Have we seen it? Well, well, Grassley held it up in in the a meeting on Friday, so I assume it exists. I I bet I, I bet if you actually will look at it now, it will be a lot of uh it will be a lot of yeah, I don't recall and a lot of fifth amendment stuff. You know, because yeah, it'll be. I like beer. I was so well, wasted. I do not know what happened. He that will, night. and he'll say, "I don't recall. I don't recall." Because a lot, he he's gone through the AA. He's gone through the steps, and a lot of it is honesty. Okay, so a lot of it will be honesty, and a lot of it will be, "I don't want to implicate myself." Well, I think Greg, you underestimate the ability of the FBI to to do background investigation before they talk to someone. And to come in with really good questions with really specific names and really specific accounts. And, uh, you know, judge may not be strong enough to hold up under that with, with, with stories that aren't, that he knows yeah, aren't true. Yeah. He, he really hasn't shown himself to be a paragon of moral courage. Yeah. He's going to have a lawyer and he's going to be singing, ah, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I mean, they're going to ask him, you know, did you go to to parties with the, this list of, of boys? And they'll list them off. What do you remember from those parties? Were there girls there? They're going to know how to ask him questions. And you know what? It may exonerate Brett Kavanaugh, which would be maybe the best thing for the United States. But they're not going to just go in there and let him basically parrot his three-sentence letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee and go, well, thank you for your time. 
No, and actually, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to hear about Fudge's uh, book that he wrote, where he wrote about Bart O'Kavanaugh. Which, yeah, so I don't think Mark Fudge is that smart. I, I think we all agree on that. I don't think he's, 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 uh, particularly intellectually gifted. If, if he was trying to, like, hide Brett Kavanaugh and with a gnome de plume and gave him Bart O. Kavanaugh. Again, who knows what, what's in this man's mind? Mark Judge is a very right wing blogger. He has very conservative political views. But he apparently has not been in touch with Brett Kavanaugh for the last few years, and they probably have not been that close as adults. Mark Judge probably wants a conservative Supreme Court justice. He doesn't need it to be Brett Kavanaugh. So I don't think he's going to risk jail time to, you know, get his friend Brett on the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's always nice to have friends in high places, though. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you could get Brett Kavanaugh to somehow... You know, if you appeal it high enough, yeah, get, Bart O'Kavanaugh could decide to let you go. Yeah, get get a you know out of speeding tickets and sh- shit like that. That's always you know nice. we talked, Greg you, or Greg DJ. You mentioned John Roberts, and I'm sort of fascinated that you know here are these other eight justices. It, like, would it be such a breach of protocol for them to call McConnell and be like, "Come on"? Yes, it would be. They would never do it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be they huge. Would never do it. And frankly, who knows? They might think that it's the Democrats that are in the wrong. They might think that this is a travesty of the confirmation process. I don't know. We'll see. It's hard to see. But, you know, talking about people who need friends in high places to get them out of trouble, did you guys hear that Roger Stone is now claiming that he thinks he's going to be framed by Robert Mueller in the special counsel probe, that uh, he, he thinks that he's going to be indicted, but he's going to be framed. So now there's there's two people on the uh, in the GOP camp who are being framed by the Democrats and, and, and all of the deep state people. It's Brett Kavanaugh and Roger Stone. It's not being framed if it happened, you know, just like it's not character assassination if it's true. Well, he knows that he's going to be indicted on, on things that he did that were illegal. And he's trying to make the same argument that uh, Manafort, you know, made very unsuccessfully, which is that, hey, this has nothing to do with the campaign. They're just trying to frame me. They're just trying to set me up so they could pressure me. That's what Stone is saying. I cannot wait for the day when he is indicted. I'm telling you guys, you know, call me on that day. I will be doing backflips. I want Roger Stone indicted. The, the Kevin doing backflips, like you, you need Jess. To Actually, be, Jess will be doing um, the backflips. Filming, so I'll just be yeah, filming. she'll do the backflips. I would say, on I need your to see this. Back, yeah, proxy backflips. <laughs> she probably can she, do backflips. Well, she can't do backflips, but she does some amazing cartwheels and other things like that. Well, I see her Pilates videos. She is so freaking strong. Jess, who is my darling Jess, uh, is a former ballet dancer. She now teaches Pilates in Beverly Hills at Bodyline Pilates, by the way. That's a free uh, plug for them. And she she can do things that will, will make most people go, oh my God, that the human body shouldn't be able to do that. So there we go. <laughs> and she's smart too. <laughs> I have I have a wonderful husband. He he can't he doesn't go upside down. <laughs> so I mean, while while we're bragging about our significant others, my husband's good for a lot of things, but like he you know he he can't do ballet things or Pilates things. Uh, your loss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody here, by the way, has a wonderful significant other. Let's not forget it's Amanda. True. Let's not forget Aura. Yeah, no, we're yeah, great people in our lives. Yes. Um, so yeah, but uh, Roger Stone, he's a, oh my God, he's a bad guy. He, yeah. you know, he's just a bad guy. And, and, you know, and these, these 
desperate attempts that he keeps making to like somehow make himself out to be less bad than he actually is are just pathetic. Now let's t- let's change uh, the topic and look ahead to the possibility of uh, Elizabeth Warren running in 2020. She said just the other night that uh, she was. This is the quote: "It's time for a woman to go to Washington and fix our broken government, and that includes a woman at the top." So here's what I propose. After November 6th, I will take a hard look at running for president. End quote. Now you guys can make your jokes about women on top. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that, but go ahead. (laughs) No. So uh, that's about as close as anyone so far has come to saying that they are going to be throwing their hat into the ring, which, by the way, is also a 19th or 20th century uh, colloquialism. Um, isn't isn't there some Democrat already planning? Um, oh yes, no, no. D- DJ's John Delaney. Just ask DJ yeah. about him. So let's talk about the possibility of Elizabeth Warren running. Does this make it less likely or more likely that Sanders will also run? And how do you think oh those God. two would split the the far left, you know, wing of the party? It's not about how they split the far left wing of the party. It's about how they split donor dollars in the primary. And right now, when Elizabeth Warren says, I'm going to take a serious look at this after November 6th, it means she's going to look at her war chest, see what she's got left, and she's going to start calling the big money donors um, about what they want to do in the next cycle. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point, because the, the, the Clinton donors are still out there, and Sanders only takes donations from small money donors, individuals. So that's going to be almost a repeat of what happened in 2016 in terms of funding. So almost everyone I know can justify on the right, like, oh, you know, I really hate Donald Trump, what he stands for, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, we just couldn't elect Clinton. I mean, she's just terrible, blah, blah, blah. That's that's their justification. And they somehow live with that. Like, oh, Clinton is such a terrible person, Clinton and blah, blah, blah. And this is what we're going to get in 2020 if Elizabeth Warren. So people are going to put the Elizabeth Warren as Hillary Clinton. It's the same thing. And they're you going mean to in her lane? Th- in her lane. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're going to transfer their hate and justify not voting for a Democrat. Apparently, Pepper hates uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, they Pepper do. is your dog in the background barking, but that's okay. Keep going. Well, I mean, it's just it, right now, you know, there's so many people who are rumored to be looking at 2020 runs and the big money is going to sit on their hands until more people declare. And so Elizabeth Warren needs to go find out, listen, if it comes down to me, me or Biden, where are you going to write the check? And then the other person who's been toying and, and toyed as recently as last night on SNL with a 2020 run is Kanye West. Did you guys hear yeah, about Kim's that? Getting his, yeah, Kim is out there getting his meds adjusted again. She doesn't want to hear anything about a 2020 run. <laughs> She's like, a doctor, he's got the grandiosity thing going again. Can you get him back to designing sweatpants? You know, stabilize this poor man. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's I, I, I shouldn't slag on Kanye. He's very talented. Um, he should he should not be okay. Well, here, and, here's our first debate um, of the and night. His mental issues, yeah his his mental ill his mental health issues are not actually funny. okay. All right, have you guys watched the video by the way of of what he no, said last yet. night? I was yes. Yeah. Kate McKinnon wasn't yes. in the video, so I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So actually, she was. So oh, was she? Yeah. Okay, then I'm just lazy. So it's it's right at it's at the end while everyone's you know. Oh, d- when he showed up in his MAGA hat, yeah. the good nights. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's the good night. Uh, Kevin, I'm sure I would love to find the footage of you in a bunch of these. Were you in any of these? I don't think I was ever in good nights, but I was on the show as a, as a background player, but I don't think I was ever in the good nights. We, you got to post a couple of those on the on the website. So uh, all of a sudden he sh- he sh- walks out. The band is still playing, and all of a sudden Adam Driver sees the the MAGA hat and just kind of slides off the end. the The screen goes black, but um, all of a sudden he starts talking about how the Democratic Party is keeping black men on welfare and it's keeping. He goes, and you know what? I I think I'm going to run for office in 2020, and. Some people are booing him, and you hear like a smattering, like "Yeah, right on." And he's like, you know, the Democratic Party is, is like wrong and evil, and everyone is just like, "What the hell is going on?" And I personally think the whole thing is a publicity stunt. You think? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it's an Andy Kaufman thing that he's doing. That's what they said about Donald Trump. That's true. Um. But yeah, um no, the grandiosity of people with narcissistic personality disorder is not to be discounted. Sometimes they flame out before they cause real harm to others, but like Sarah Palin, and sometimes they uh nominate Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Ooh, timely. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up with a light on a lighter note. You know, one of the things that came up during the uh Kavanaugh hearing this week <laughs> was that uh some people were making an argument that Professor Christine Ford might have some financial interest in pursuing her claim because there have cropped up several GoFundMe campaigns for her, one to provide security for her and her family and a couple of others along the way. And at one point during the week, I saw on Fox that they were saying that um, overall, there's been over a half million dollars raised for her benefit because of this. And they were making the argument that, oh, look, she does have a financial interest in pursuing this. That's why she's doing it, because she saw into the future that people would create GoFundMe campaigns for her. <laughs> so I was wondering if you guys had any GoFundMe ideas that you would like to see take hold and, and catapult into um, the mainstream. I would like a GoFundMe for a rogue FBI agent who will conduct like a real investigation <laughs> in the Brett Kavanaugh situation. Not like this fig leaf Potemkin investigation handed down by Trump, like a real actual FBI investigation. Like I, when that guy gets fired, I want to go fund me to support it's, it's that guy. It's McCabe, Strzok, and Lisa Page. All three of them should get together and do their own investigation, and we will pay for it with GoFundMe. <laughs> DJ, any GoFundMe ideas that you'd like to uh, suggest? Uh, I, I think we need to... Um... I think we need to get Lindsey Graham to calm down. He is the 63-year-old virgin. Someone needs to do that. <laughs> there needs to be a GoFundMe for that. Um, and any any sex worker across the gender spectrum can apply for the funds. We just need to figure out what Lindsey wants. There you go. There you go. Um, I, I think uh, another GoFundMe, if we could get a DVD sales of the Kavanaugh and uh, Dr. Ford uh, Senate confirmation. There were 20 million people it watching. It would have been great. Pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. <laughs> right. And if we yeah, can yeah. get licensure, you know, like, um, I don't know, something that would pay for itself. Like, I like beer. Um, <laughs> well, here's my GoFundMe idea. I would like to What's start that? a GoFundMe to have SNL use Matt Damon every third week. This is if Kavanaugh gets confirmed. Every third week on the show to do a, a Brett Kavanaugh uh, impression just to keep that alive in the public conscious for as long as SNL is on the air. 
Oh, sure. I bet he'd do it, too. He's a good guy. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at hashtag MPU podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash more perfect union podcast and share our link on your Facebook timeline so your friends can discover us as well. And if you would like to join our political debate between shows, join us in the Facebook group that we're all members of, Open Fire Politics. We're all there and we'd love to see you there, too. And with that... What is going to be the big news of the week coming? It's not going to be Brett Kavanaugh. What's going to master the news, grab headlines this week? The great love story between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They fell in love. That's going to be it. They fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!